0: Brine Ministries International presents Todd Talks, featuring Todd Edwards. Great. Heavenly Father, we thank you for gathering today, and each and every person's time is precious. We thank you that you have put aside time for us to gather together and to lift you up. So Holy Spirit, we ask that you would be in the midst and that the testimony of Yeshua would be high and mighty and that we would all be drawn to the goodness of who you are, your kindness, your your patience, your grace, your mercy, your holiness, your power, your your judgment, your justice, your wrath. May we experience you in, in new ways today. For you are endless and your power and your omniscience and your omnipresence is forevermore. So we we cry holy, holy, holy unto you. We thank you that you are a wall of protection around about us and that you have ordained this time that we would gather and hang out with one another and encourage one another and lift you up and declare your word. So Holy Spirit, come and have your way. May the word be anointed. Father, we ask that you would park your throne in the midst of us, that you would bring down justice and judgment. And that your voice would be heard. Your voice would be heard from the temple. Your voice would be heard through the heavens and into the earth. And that would resonate in our spirit, soul, and body, that the frequency of heaven and your throne would resonate here in this place. We ask that you would protect and anoint the technology, uh, the recording, that you would keep us in a place of peace, that you would block all confusion and any obstacles or interruptions. But that we would find a place in that secret place, even right now, even amongst each other, that we are gathered in the secret place together. That we are hanging out at the banquet hall. In listening to the stories of Yeshua. That we would experience the expressions on his face. That we would even smell the fragrance off of his body. May we smell the frankincense and the myrrh. May we feel his heartbeat as we reach our hands out and touch him. So we ask that the word would come alive for in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. And the same in the beginning was with God, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. So we invite you to dwell with us. You, Yeshua, and the Father, make your abode in us. You said you'd never leave us or forsake us, but you would make your abode in us. So we cry out to you and say, you are our God and we are your people. We seal all these things across every age, realm, timeline, dimension, past, present, future to infinity in the heavens, in the earth, and under the earth in Yeshua's name. Amen. Amen. Uh, Isaiah 66 is what we're going to study today. And I mentioned um, quickly early, but I'll say it again. The, The opening thought here with Isaiah 66 is we've been Going high, low, high, low, high, low, because that's what I, Isaiah has been doing. He's, he gives us big picture, and then he drills down into a particular topic. And then he goes up, big picture again, gives us a framework, and then he drills down into it, the details of a topic. Everything is about Zion. Everything is about um, beginning to end and what God sees all at once. And this is one of those times today that this is going to be big picture. It's an enormous topic that we're going to get into with Isaiah 66, uh, roughly six through nine or so, verses six through nine. Um, ben, I know you reached out to me on email and asked about it. This is an enormous topic, and uh, it, it's it's on the surface it's confusing. I mean, even Isaiah is asking the questions himself, like, "What's going on? How can this be?" Uh, so we're going to delve into that, and also. Uh, have a perspective that there are layers, Uh, so we're going to go into all kinds of offshoots to to help understand Isaiah 66, like in Revelation 12. um, We're going to go into different places. Keep in mind that uh, scripture is not one interpretation only. Yes, there's my interpretation, and I may not be right, of course, but even truthful interpretation there's many interpretations to it that are true, because Scripture is God. It is the Word of God, and there's so many layers and depths of understanding to Him that your understanding right now of a particular Scripture and what I might bring forward, they both may be true. It, it may not be that one of us is right or neither of us is right. It could be both and more that are true. So keep that in mind, uh, that Scripture is many layers and there's many many um, pictures to it. So they all kind of overlay, overlay t- uh, together. And, and of course, uh, something I want to share, and, and I know that you guys know this as you're going through this study, all, uh, in, in this Bible study and in Bride, meditate on the word, ask the Holy Spirit for revelation because he gives us uh, revelation. Uh, all we have to do is ask. Uh, don't just read the Bible as, as a book. Read, read the scripture as a dialogue between you and yeshua i I was uh praying the morning prayer again this morning and the opening line of the morning prayer always gets me and this is how i'm tying this to to reading the word the opening of the morning prayer is in the morning you will hear my voice And I'm always in a position, even this morning, I, will, I, I start praying. I'm like, really? The God of all creation hears my voice? Um, I, I tremble at that thought that He actually hears my voice. And it's the beginning of wisdom, the beginning of understanding, is having the fear of Yahuwah. And I'm fearful of even hearing His voice and Him hearing my voice. I mean, what a mighty thing it is to just think about that. He hears our voice. So he loves hearing our voice. So have that dialogue, even in scripture. I mean, I open up the scriptures and I tremble at it. It's like, wow, I'm actually having dialogue with the living God as I'm reading. I mean, how awesome is that? Um, Psalm 33 came to mind this week. Uh, some, something for you guys to consider in, in prayer. This is something that I'm, I'm thinking is, is going on, of course, in the earth. There's a couple of verses that, that come to mind. Uh, that was, I was praying that quite a bit this week. Psalm 33, just a couple of verses. Rejoice in Yahweh, O oh, you righteous, for praise is comely, uh, comely to, for the upright. So this psalm is not just for anybody. Even anybody in the body, it is for those that are righteous. Verse 5, he loves righteousness and judgment. So righteousness is another word for just translated justice. So justice and judgment, righteousness and judgment, those are the pillars of his throne. The earth is full of the goodness of Yahuwah. I mean, we're struggling with so many different issues in our lives and around us. And yet he says the goodness of Yahuwah is there there's again big picture think about what he's taking us through and we're going to see this in isaiah 66 he loves righteousness and judgment we need more righteousness and judgment so something to declare into the earth um let the earth verse eight let the earth fear yahuwah let the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him this is what i was getting at is really you hear my voice you hear my voice I mean, it's one thing, for, I think, for me to hear his voice, but you hear my voice? I mean, who, who am I? But he does, and he loves it. He loves declaring justice and righteousness through us. He loves declaring judgment through us. Verse 10, uh, Yahweh brings the counsel of the nations to not he makes the devices, and we talked a lot last time about devices, machines, imaginations, how it all ties together, of the people of none effect. So everything that the people do to place up in their minds all these constructs that then form in the spirit realm, he brings them all to nothing. It's nothing to him. Kind of like Psalm 2, he, he laughs at the counsels of the, the wicked and the counsels of the kings of the earth. And verse 12. Blessed is the nation whose Elohim is Yahuwah and the people for he has chosen of his own inheritance. Yahuwah looks from the heaven and beholds the sons of men from the place of his habitation. He looks upon all the inhabitants of the earth. And that's what kind of ties together with. He hears my voice. He hears your voice. He's above all things. He's got everything in his sovereign view. And he's using us to partner with him. And he's not afraid of anything. And he's partnering with us and listening to our voice. I mean, if anything that he should be afraid of is to use us, (laughs) I would be afraid of using me. (laughs) But he doesn't. He's not even afraid of that. That doesn't even bother him. So that Psalm 33 just really, really spoke to me um, this week as I was, I was praying, for, praying for the earth and praying for things around us. All right. So Psalm, I mean, Isaiah 66. Isaiah 66. <clears throat> this is the last verse that we finished with last time, and then that will launch us into the first verse for today. Isaiah 66, verse 5. Hear the word of Yahweh, you that tremble at his word. Ties into what we were just talking about. Your brothers that hated you, that cast you out for my name's sake, said, let Yahweh be glorified, but he shall appear to your joy and they shall be ashamed. We did a little bit of talking about the last couple of verses about how he's going to separate out people and the religious from his true remnant. He's not even talking about separating out the remnants from from people that are denying him. He's talking about separating out the remnant from those that seem to be the remnant, but that are really not. They're even declaring Yahuwah's name. So he's describing those. Now here's the big picture concept. This is not, today is not going to be kind of a a deep dive into personally, I don't think. I think it's going to be more, this is for big picture understanding. This is for those that are seated with him in the heavenly places in Zion. So he's separating out those that are seated in heavenly places in Zion, operating in Zion with those that are not. He's separating out the believers, even from amongst their families. And that's what he's saying, brothers and sisters, even those that are saying they're doing God's work and accusing you. I'm going to separate them out. So this is not obvious uh, obvious separation. I think this goes back to when Yeshua is talking to the angels, and uh, he's talking about the angels being sent out, to remove the tares from the earth and said, do not do that lest you harm the wheat because the wheat and the tares look kind of similar as they're growing up. This is uh, also getting at all of the churches, all of the assemblies from Revelation 2 and 3 and that they have to be kind of separated out and weeded out. So again, many layers of interpretation. Let me just hit on a couple of these, uh, of the seven uh, assemblies in Revelation 2 and 3. Many interpretations. Yes, some people interpret, interpret that as ages. It, they were literally assemblies back during John's time. I also think they are all literally um, different types of people groups, even today, in almost any generation in the earth, including today. So look, think about this. Ephesus, what's their issue? They lost their first love. Clearly, there are people like that in the earth today. So as he's separating people out, did you lose your first love? There is a place for repentance, of course. Uh, to the church of uh, the assembly of Smyrna, Myrna, they were amongst the false Jews, the synagogue of Satan. And we've spent some time, time in that. Was that then? Absolutely. Is that today? Absolutely. Part of the biggest deception is the synagogue of Satan, of all the definitions of Jews that we've gone through, but not the ones that are pretending to be of the tribe of Judah, pretending to be of God's people. So all of that is in there. Yep, Corey Zionism. Exactly. We're studying the whole. This whole study has been on Zion, but it's not Zionism. And I, I know when Hope um, puts out the podcast, she keeps ta- she keep, keeps putting it in the in the writings. This is not a study on Zionism. Even that, so that's all, all thrown up. So the assembly of Pergamos, they allowed money to influence them. And then that became a stumbling block as they had different organizations that were monetarily influencing them to be placed in front of the people. Of course, that's happening today. So Yahweh is going to separate all of that stuff out. The assembly of Thyatira. They were tolerating Jezebel, a seducing spirit, a lustful spirit. I mean, really, this is happening all over the, the in, in, in the so-called body of Christ today. Of this person committing adultery, this leader doing this. I mean, on and on. Um, Robbie Zacharias reports after his his death. I mean, it's all over the place. So this is today where Yahweh is separating out his remnant from. The, the the people around that kind of are calling themselves the remnant. The assembly at Sardis, number five. They're the ones that say that they're alive, but they're actually dead. I, I think the, the whole thing about COVID and locking down churches and closing churches, that has been made apparent. Churches that say they're alive and then are now dead, they don't even know what to do. Dead meaning the Holy Spirit wasn't in them. Yeshua wasn't even invited into the church. He was actually booted out. And if he's life and he removes, he, and he, he does step away say, okay, you don't want me here. I'm out of here. You're dead. Number six, the Philadelphia church. They're the ones that need strength to open the door. So they have truth, but they're constantly being battled against by, again, the synagogue of Satan, the false Jews, Zionism. So they need strength and direction and encouragement and methods and resources in order to pray properly in order to have their lives situated as pillars so they can fight against this. And then of course, the last assembly we know is the Laodicean church. They're just lukewarm and willy-nilly, they don't care, they're in and out, they're not hot or cold. So this is all today is part of what he is separating out. And these are the folks that say, we're doing this in Yahweh's name. Well, going back to Exodus chapter 32. In fact, I'll, I'll, let's, pull, let's pull that up. So Exodus chapter 32. So you guys can see this with your own eyes and not just believe what I'm saying. But during the golden calf, Exodus 32 verse 5. So when Aaron built the golden calf, Exodus 32 verse 5. When Aaron built the golden calf, When he saw it, he built an altar before it. And Aaron made proclamation and said, listen to this, tomorrow is a feast to Yahuwah. He was even calling the golden calf Yahuwah. This is Yahuwah, everybody. I mean, really? So here we have now... People in Isaiah 66, 5 that say, yeah, we're going to shame you. We are going to destroy you. And we're going to do do it in the name of Jesus. We're going to do it in the name of Yeshua. We're going to do it in the name of Yahuwah. We're going to do it in the name of God. We're going to do it by the power of the Holy Spirit. And all these ups and downs that we're getting, people are doing that in God's name. And, and you guys that are survivors, you know this. You see the false is all, all over the place. There, and a lot of the, the rituals are done with, in the name of religion, in the name of God. And sure enough, here's Aaron saying, look at this golden calf. This is Yahuwah. He's the one that delivered you out of Egypt. And the same thing is happening at the end. So that's what is taking place in the the. In the end, right now, in separation, uh, for us, and it's being done by our brothers. It says, "Our family." Now that word "brother" is uh, Strong's uh, two five one. Ach, oh, ach oh, is how it how it's uh, said. The first mention of that goes back to Genesis four two, talking about Cain and Abel. So the brothers, the family members that come against us and persecute us in the name of Yahuwah, it goes back to the same battle, seed-line battle, back to Cain and Abel. There's always a seed-line battle taking place throughout Scripture. Satan's seed, Yahuwah's seed. And it's a fight, but they're of a different spirit. The word hate that that comes out of uh, Isaiah 66, verse 5, talking about the brothers hating us, that Strong's 8130, saw nay. The first mention of that refers to Laban, Rebekah's brother, who hates Jacob. He hates the seed. So even though Rebekah is the mom of Jacob, and she has this brother Laban. They're the same physical seed. They're not the same spiritual seed. There's something different about them. So there's hatred even amongst the seed line. Again, seed line battle. So this this is always taking place throughout scripture. Always taking place. Um, Ephesians 3.15. I'll put this in the chat. I'm going to pick up my my chatting texting <clears throat> Ephesians 3:15 and 16 Now this gives us more depth to what Paul is saying here in Ephesians 3:15 of whom the whole family in heaven and in earth the family in heaven the family in Zion and in earth, Zion's kids, Yahuwah's spirit, human spirits that he created that have now been sent to earth are named after him. That he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. He is saying I have created this human spirit in my image. That brother or sister is in the family of heaven. I have sent them down to earth as an assignment. And the way they get through their assignment is to strengthen their inner man by my spirit. Because they will be battling against the seeds of Satan, the synagogue of Satan, that's going to sow all kinds of division and deceptively say that they are doing Yahweh's work. So by the Spirit, I need to strengthen them. That's what Paul is saying. Isaiah 66, verse 6. A voice of noise from the city, a voice from the temple, a voice of Yahuwah that renders recompense to his enemies. So what is the city? The city of Zion. So Yahweh's voice is coming from Zion. And then, and, and then within Zion, his voice is coming from the temple. So there's this constant pattern outer court inner court holy of holies constant pattern the called the chosen the faithful constant pattern israel the levites the priests aaron and moses constant pattern the 70 the 12 the three disciples as we're getting closer and closer, same thing here is happening. He is going to speak from Zion to everybody. Then he's going to speak from the temple to people that are are, are like the lack, the inner court folks. But then there's also going to be coming this voice that's going to deliver recompense. That those that have been tried by the refiner's fire and the fuller's soap, are actually going to speak the judgments of Yah. That is a holy place to be. He's only going to give us those assignments if he can trust us for timing, for when, to where, to whom. Because when he releases judgments, it's out. There's no turning back. His word goes forth and it does not return to return void, but it will do that which it was sent for. So there is this process of closer and closer about hearing his voice. Uh, in this week's podcast, uh, that came out on Thursday with uh, Dan and Jan, Jan mentioned part of the end times deception, is going to be the confusion of his voice. Uh, Matthew 24. Matthew 24. Put this in the chat. Matthew 24, 24. I wonder if this is what Jan was getting at, and... Kind of think it's true. Matthew 24 24, for there shall arise false messiahs and false prophets and shall show great signs and wonders, insomuch if it were possible they should deceive the very elect. So, a false messiah is a false anointed one. And anointing means anointed words, for example, words that are on fire, words that have the spirit or a spirit to back them. False prophets are the ones that are testifying. So we know that the testimony of Yeshua is the spirit of prophecy. So we also know that the enemy is going to come with a false testimony and spirit of prophecy, which is a voice. So we need to spend time hearing his voice and most of you guys know this already, but I'll, I'll share this just kind of in, in general. A great way to spend time hearing his voice and cultivating and tuning that in is spend time in the Psalms. You'll, you'll, get, you'll get a tone of his heart and his heart that's part of the voice because Yeshua is the heart of the Father. Then also consider the prophets because the prophets come across as stronger, unusually stronger than what we would think is Yahuwah. I mean, some of Isaiah's language is just tough. It's hard. It's piercing. It's like a sword. It's boom, boom, boom. So the prophets then have the voice because the Holy Spirit is speaking through the prophets. Then, of course, read the words of Yeshua. And not just the words of him healing people, him speaking kindly to people, read his words that are in rebuke of the Pharisees. Because when we talked about the assemblies in Revelation 2 and 3, that's a rebuke of the synagogue of Satan. It's a rebuke to the seed line. And hear the intensity of his words when he's rebuking the Pharisees. It's amazing. So that, those are ways to kind of tune in and start to hear into his voice. All right, now the heart, the heart of our study in Isaiah 66 today, 66, I'm going to read verses 7 and 8. You ready, Ben? Here we go. <laughs> Before she, so Isaiah 66, verses 7 and 8. Before she travailed, she brought forth. Huh? Isn't that backwards? Before her pain came, she was delivered of a man-child. Huh? <laughs> Isn't that backwards? I thought you, you travail, and then you bring forth. You go through delivery pains, and then you deliver a child. But it's saying this is the reverse. Verse 8. Who has heard such a thing? Isaiah is saying this doesn't make any sense. Who has heard such a thing? Who has seen such things? Shall the earth be made to bring forth in one day? So now he's he's understanding throughout the whole thing that the Holy Spirit's been speaking to him about. This has to do with the earth. He keeps going. Shall the earth be made to bring forth in one day? Or shall a nation... A goy is why that, that whole uh, interpretation of Gentile is messed up. It is a goy, it is a nation, and Abraham was going to be the father of many goyim nations. Shall a nation be born at once? Why is he asking this question? Because typically nations are birthed over generations. It takes time to, to develop a tribe into a nation and a people group, and it, it just takes centuries and centuries. How is this going to happen all at once? Now he gives us absolute clarification on what he's talking about. For as soon as Zion, 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 travailed, she brought forth her children. Okay, this, Todd, why is this a big picture? Why is this an enormous topic? Okay, let's dive into this. The frame, framework of this is that at this time, heaven and earth become aligned. Zion has not been birthed onto the earth, in part because heaven and earth are not aligned. Heaven and earth must be aligned, because remember, earth will be married, according to Isaiah in Isaiah 62. Earth will be married to whom? Actually, to Zion. Wait a minute, I thought Zion was married to Yeshua. Yes, she is. <laughs> this is the layers piece. I don't, I, I can't make it. Dan did a, a, picture, uh, a picture of in his um, higher dimensions of this multidimensional constr- construct. I don't know how to make a picture of this. It is in different realms and dimensions that you have, Zion is married. We know this from Isaiah 54, I believe, that the barren wife, doesn't have any kids, but Zion is married, yet we are Zion, and yet we are unmarried. We will be in the marriage of the Lamb. This is true. Earth is not married, but it will be called married land, land, according to Isaiah 62. So there's different connection points that are taking place. When heaven and earth get aligned, they're properly aligned. Zion is going to give birth with her kids. Now her kids, and we've defined this, daughters of Zion and daughters of Jerusalem. There's different layers here too. It's actually cities. See, we are Zion. We're kind of like her children, but reality Her children are us collectively as cities. That's why Isaiah spends so much time in Isaiah 61 and 62 of repairing the waste cities. The cities that were in the earth, daughters of Jerusalem, earthly, carnal, that will be daughters of Zion, spirit, Let me add another layer of understanding for this. Jacob is the fleshly man. Israel is the spirit man. So when we read in scripture, the difference between Israel and Jacob, spirit and flesh are carnal. It's the same thing that we need to keep in mind. We have Zion, heavenly city, Jerusalem, earthly city, daughters of Zion, are the cities being birthed out of her in her likeness. Daughters of Jerusalem are cities being birthed from carnal fleshly Jerusalem in her likeness. So now we have here that Zion, I mean, heaven and earth are aligned. So this is the framework. By the way, this whole birthing thing, God spoke to me about this. He said, this is why the occult sends spends so much time on reproduction and satanic rituals, sexual rituals, because God is doing a work of birthing and they corrupt it. The symbology is all over in terms of the sexual rituals in the earth from the occult because it is a corrupt, demonic. Poor, awful reflection of what God's doing here. He's actually going to birth Zion. So they just corrupt and get us off the trail by their corruption. So we run away from it. So what they've corrupted is something that's very mysterious and beautiful in what God is doing. So let's, that's the framework. So now who's the she? It's Zion. She travailed. Verse 7. Before Zion travailed, Zion brought forth. Before Zion's pain came, and the pain comes right before the birth, so she hasn't given birth yet. We know this for a fact because of Isaiah 54, that she's barren. Before Zion's pain came, Zion was delivered a man child, Yeshua. This is the mystery. So, Yeshua comes forth out of Zion because he's in the middle of Zion. He is Zion. Zion was created in his image. He created Zion for him. He's in the middle of Zion. Yeshua is actually birthed now in Zion's likeness means he's a city he's he came in as a city over the entire earth before zion actually gives birth to her kids so yeshua is the first seed of zion planted down and that happens before she gives birth kind of like mary is pregnant as a virgin See how all these, these things kind of overlay, overlay, overlay. Okay, uh, Proverbs 30, verse 4, and Ephesians 4. 10. I know, this is some crazy stuff. This is some crazy stuff. This is exciting. Uh, Proverbs, chapter 30. This gives us insight onto a couple phrases here in Scripture that now when we look at it, wait a minute. This is relating to Isaiah 66, 7. Proverbs 30, verse 4. Who has ascended up into heaven or descended? Who has gathered the wind in his fists? Who has bound the waters in a garment? Who has established all the ends of the earth? What is his name and what is his son's name, if you can tell? The so- Solomon is thinking, wait a minute, I'm getting revelation on there's someone coming from Zion, but that's like onto earth, but the someone who's coming from Zion onto earth is the one that holds the winds in his hand, is the one that created all things. He's the one that's being birthed before the birth. Ephesians chapter 4. You can see why. Some of this was very confusing. But praise God, we're getting revelation on this at this time. This is amazing. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 10. <clears throat> he that descended, where did he descend from? He descended from Zion. Is the same that also ascends up far above all heavens, that he might fill all things. And then it goes on to say, and he gave some. He gave some apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. What is he doing? He is then giving gifts unto the body so that they can prepare the earth to be aligned with heaven so that Zion then can birth her kids. That's what's happening. Let's look back at Isaiah 52. I am doing my best to try to explain this. this, is, this is, there's just so many layers to this. and it's, I'm, I, I'm trying to describe what I'm seeing in the spirit. Isaiah 52, verse 1. Awake, awake, put on your strength, O Zion. Put on your beautiful garments, O Jerusalem. So now he's connecting these. He's seeing heaven, spirit man, spirit city, uh, earth, flesh city, Zion, Jerusalem. For henceforth, you shall no more come into you, the uncircumcised and the unclean. Because the uncircumcised and the unclean, the synagogue of Satan, has been coming into Jerusalem. But there's going to come a time when Zion is going to come down and fill and birth into Jerusalem. So it has this whole description of what we we studied way back in Isaiah 52. And it keeps going and talks about how the suffering servant is then going to be the key. So Isaiah 52, 13 to 15, behold, my servant shall deal prudently. He shall be exalted and extolled and very high. And many were astonished at you. His visage was so marked. He's describing again, Isaiah 66, 7, she gave birth to a man child before she gave birth. So Yeshua comes down before Zion gives birth. And once again, Isaiah 53.1 starts, Who has believed our report? To whom is the arm of Yahuwah revealed? He doesn't, this is incredible to Isaiah. He's asking questions here. He's asking questions here because it's the same topic, different look, different view, as he's asking questions in Isaiah 66.7. What? Before Zion gives birth, she actually gave birth and Yeshua came from her. That's what's happening. Let's look at it a different way. John 12. John 12. John 12, verse 24. verily verily so when he says this it means it's a truth it is a truth really pay attention to this he's using that word twice on purpose to really draw our attention verily verily i say unto you except a corn of wheat it's not corn it's a seed of wheat wheat we're wheat except a seed of wheat fall into the ground and die he's speaking of himself it abides alone but if it die it brings forth much fruit he is talking about he came down from zion before zion gave birth died and in the process is establishing wheat throughout the earth us individually to prepare the earth to be aligned with heaven so that Zion, the city, can be birthed into Jerusalem, the city, and then it can have daughters, city daughters, all throughout the earth. This ties to then the faithful ones will rule over cities, which are cities or daughters of of Jerusalem, which then become, which really are at that time, daughters of Zion throughout the earth. This this, again, this is a huge concept of what's taking place. Uh, The word travailed, first mention of this, and I'll throw this into the chat. First mention of travail, this is still Isaiah 60, from Isaiah 66, verse 7. First mention of this is in Genesis 8, verse 10. This also gives us a clue to the travailing, to the birthing. Genesis 8, verse 10. So now the flood has ended. The waters are starting to come down. And this is what it says. Genesis 8, verse 10. And he, Noah, stayed yet another seven days. Very prophetic. It's meaning he's talking about this is the whole pattern of all creation. It's the culmination, the period of rest. It's the culmination of the seventh millennial. This is a, it's a prophetic indication. And again, again, means he already gave birth once. He's going to give birth again. Zion already released Yeshua. Now she is going to birth cities onto the earth. And he sent forth. That word is actually the same word, travailed from Isaiah 66 7. That's because the interpreters had no clue what was going on here. No clue. So he travailed, and the dove, that he travailed the dove out of the ark. Meaning, he is in the ark, he is in Zion. And he's doing, a tra- he's doing a birthing again, means Yeshua already came, came out from heaven. Now he's sending the spirit, the dove, out into the earth as a birthing process from the place of safety in the ark. Zion already sent Yeshua, but before she travailed, when she travails, she is going to send forth Zion, her kids, her city kids, through Jerusalem. And it's going to be all new. So after the flood, the earth was new. It was reshifted. After Zion brings forth her kids, the earth is going to be all new. We've talked about this. Layers upon layers upon layers. Okay, Isaiah 66. This is very exciting. Very, very exciting. Isaiah 66, verse 8. Let's go into 8 a little bit now. There's a lot more to eight. <clears throat> who has heard such a thing? Who has seen such a thing? Shall the earth be made to bring forth in one day, or shall the nation be born at once? For as soon as Zion travailed, she brought forth her children. Okay, so the development process, as we know, as, as human beings, is nine months, and it is very long compared to the speed of when a child is born. The actual labor pains, to birthing a child. Compared to nine months, it's very short. Same thing, the earth is going to birth Zion's nation, Zion's city, almost like all at once. Again, nations typically in an earthly fashion are birthed over generations, over centuries, and they come forth. Of course, Satan corrupts that, and we've seen how after, especially like World War I, World War II, that The Zionists will reconstruct a nation like Iran never existed. Iraq never existed. They constructed it out of nations that were there for centuries. And now those nations, of course, are corrupt. And they don't don't work together. They don't fit together. But the true process of creating a nation takes place years, centuries. But here we have a nation, a city that will be birthed instantly. It's going to be very unusual. It's an all of a sudden. So that's, that's going to happen. This is what Isaiah is pondering. He's like, what? This is going to happen like right now? It's going to happen like all at once? So here's another layer to view. Yeshua dies and is planted into the, the earth to produce wheat. We're the wheat that's coming forth from the earth. We are to bring in alignment, heaven and earth, and there's generations after generations after generations of remnant wheat calling for this to happen, occupying the earth until this happens. But then there's this generation that is actually going to see the alignment of heaven and earth and will actually repair the waste cities and the former desolations. Is that that generation now? Are we in that generation? This was David's dream that never happened. So much so that it was under constant battle that immediately after this didn't happen, Israel gets all broken up. And there's this constant battle to try to maintain some kind of seed line through David that would come bring forth Yeshua. It's a battle of this city, city of Babylon, city of Zion. So this is constantly taking place. Let's look at Ephesians chapter 2 verse 11, starting verse 11. This is going to make more sense. Ephesians 2, starting in verse 11. Paul is seeing this in another way. Wherefore, remember that you being times past nations, not Gentiles, goyim, ethnos in Greek, nations, in the flesh, you're Jacob. Nations in the flesh, Jacob. Cities in the flesh, Jerusalem. Who being called uncircumcised, because you're flesh, you're not heavenly. By that which is called the circumcision. By the will, isn't that what they just, we just read in Isaiah 66, 5? That our brothers and sisters are going to accuse us of not following God. That's what's happening here. That at that time, you were without Messiah, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, heavenly Israel, spirit man Israel, and strangers from the covenants of promise having no hope and without Elohim in the world. But now, in Christ Yeshua, Yeshua Amashiach, that's the seed that's planted in the earth. He's the one that was birthed before the birthing. Who you sometimes were far off were made near by the blood of Messiah. For he is our peace who has made both one and has broken down the middle wall of partition. Well, I'm not going to get into this, but it's really Israel and Judah. Verse 17 and came and preached peace to you that were far off and to them that were near. For through him, we both have access by one spirit unto the Father. Now, therefore, you are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of Yahweh. Where is the citizenry? Zion. That's what Paul is getting to. And then now he gets into the whole building, building like a city, building like a house, building like a city. So Paul is picturing all this and is describing it. Revelation chapter 12. Here is another way to interpret Revelation 12. I said this up front. There's many interpretations. It doesn't mean that one's wrong, one's right, all are wrong. It could be that they're all right. You need to weigh that by the Holy Spirit. So here is an interpretation now of Revelation 12 with this understanding that Zion gave birth to Yeshua before she gave birth. Revelation 12, verse 1. And there appeared a great wonder in heaven. A woman, hmm, could be Zion, clothed with the sun and the moon under her feet, and upon her head, a crown of 12 stars. Isn't Zion decked out with the 12 apostles, with the 12 tribes? Yes hmm and she being with child cried travailing in birth and pained to be delivered this is the same language we just read in isaiah 66 and there appeared another wonder in heaven and behold a red dragon having seven heads and ten horns and seven crowns upon her upon his head so immediately you have a city battle taking place and trying to prevent Zion from giving birth. And the enemy did prevent Zion from giving birth during David's time, during Solomon's time. And his tail drew a third part of the stars of heaven, did cast him to the earth, and the dragon stood before the woman, Zion, which was ready to be delivered, for to devour her child as soon as it was born. This is relating both to Yeshua And to the city of Zion on the earth, or the daughter of Zion. It's both. Why not? This is in parallel to Isaiah. Then it says, and she brought forth a (laughs) man-child. It's the same thing in Isaiah. So she brings forth a man-child, Yeshua, before she actually prevails and labors in pain. who is to rule all nations. So we know it's Yeshua with a rod of iron. And her child was caught up unto Yahweh and to his throne. And the woman fled into the wilderness. So Zion, after releasing Yeshua, now like disappears and is hidden. I bring this up because there's a lot of parallels here to Zion giving birth to Yeshua before she gives birth. And then at the end, she actually then gives birth to her children, which is the city of Zion onto the earth in Jerusalem and throughout the earth. Something to ponder. Just wanted to share that with you. By the way, this extends then this whole vision that uh, John has in Revelation 12. Goes all the way to now Revelation 13, verse 1, which I think is also interesting and ties all of this together uh, and kind of gives a hint. And I stood upon the sand of the sea. Where do we know sand of the sea from? Back to Abraham. So Abraham sees that his descendants are going to be like the stars of heaven, spirit man, and the sand of the sea, carnal flesh man. So John is seeing the same thing. Oh, wow. I see the descendants of Abraham in the earth. They haven't become spirit man Israel yet. They're Jacob, but they will be like the stars of heaven. You got the human spirit, you got the human body, tying all this stuff together. This um, another layer. Let me share another layer. I'm going to jump over some other things. You'll see. I'll send out some stuff and notes, um, but just for the sake of time, I do want to share this layer. First John. 1 John, and i want to put this in the chat. This is also tied to Yeshua being birthed before Zion gives birth. What? First John 5 does? Yep, 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 yep. 1 yep. John, chapter 5. You guys all know these verses, verses 6 through 8. <clears> 1 <throat> John 5, verse 6. This is he... Yeshua, that came by water and blood, even Yeshua Mashiach, not by water only, but by water and blood. And it is the Spirit that bears witness, because the Spirit is truth. For there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, the Holy Spirit. These three are one. And there are three that bear witness in the earth, the Spirit and the water and the blood and these three agree in one. I'm going to share with you why I think this ties to the birthing of Yeshua from Zion before Zion gives birth. Now we turn to Leviticus 14. I was I was with some some folks. An- Angela, I know you're out there listening to this. I was with some folks and um, uh, we're having a discussion about uh, Passover and so much of it ties back to Leviticus. And I know Dan has even joked about my spirit's favorite book is Leviticus. There really is a lot of stuff in Leviticus that's amazing, but it's hard to understand, but this is an example of how this all kind of ties back to Yeshua. Everything is Yeshua. Leviticus is all Yeshua. Leviticus is all priesthood. So here we go, Leviticus 14. This is the purification of a leper, someone who is in sin which we which we were. Right, So this is us. This is how we get purified. And there's symbolism in this that are, is going to tie to 1 John chapter 5, which we just read. So Leviticus chapter 14, verse 1. And Yahweh spoke unto Moses, saying, This shall be the law of the leper in the day of his cleansing. He shall be brought forth to the priest, Yeshua. And the priest shall go forth out of the camp. Now, out of the camp typically meant Going on to the Mount of Olives, which was off of Mount Moriah, outside the temple. The Mount of Olives is where he died. And the Mount of Olives is where the red, red heifer sacrifice was. So all of that's being kind of discussed a little bit here. Outside the camp. And the priest shall look, and behold, if the plague of leprosy be healed in the leper. So he's determining, did this person get cleansed yet? Yep, there was four. Then shall the priest command to take for him, that is to be cleansed. Listen to this. Two birds alive. They're clean. It's a clean animal. Two birds. Two pigeon doves. Think about John the Baptist baptizing Yeshua, and he sees the Holy Spirit descend like a dove. Think about Noah sending out a turtle dove, a dove the Holy Spirit, two pigeon doves, alive, clean, cedar wood and scarlet and hyssop. Verse 5, and the priest shall command that one of the birds be killed in an earthen vessel, a body. So one of the birds of the Spirit is killed in a body. Overrunning water. When Yeshua's side is pierced, it wasn't just blood coming out, it was blood and water. Running water coming out. And what did he do before he died? He gave up his spirit. So the Holy Spirit goes up into heaven. His spirit remains in the earthen vessel. Remember, in the heaven, there are three that agree, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit turtle dove goes up Yeshua's spirit bird in the earthen vessel killed verse six as for the living bird he shall take it the cedar wood and the scarlet and hyssop and shall dip them And the living bird in the blood of the bird that was killed over the running water. This is the job of the Holy Spirit. And he shall sprinkle it upon him that is to be cleansed from the leprosy seven times. Means the Holy Spirit washes us with the word. The Holy Spirit washes us with the word and the word is Yeshua. And it was Yeshua that is the bird killed in the earthen vessel mixed with blood and water. Verse 7 so sprinkle upon him thus cleanse from the leprosy seven times, and shall pronounce him clean and shall let the living bird loose in the open field. So what's happening is we have the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit agreeing in heaven. We have the Yeshua giving up the Spirit before he dies. His spirit is killed in the earthen vessel. Out comes blood and water. And then into the earth there are three that agree: the spirit, Yeshua's spirit that was sown as a wheat seed into the earth with blood and water. And these three agree. It's an amazing picture of Yeshua being birthed from Zion, before Zion gives birth, into the earth so that we as wheat can be brought forth from the earth. Amazing. I hope you guys are excited. I'm excited. Isaiah sixty six. Um, where do we stop? Let's do one more verse and then we're going to stop. Ah, 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 Isaiah sixty six, verse nine. Shall I bring to birth? and not cause to bring forth. Isaiah 66, verse 9. Shall I bring to the birth, and not cause, or beget, beget, to bring forth, says Yahuwah. Shall I cause to bring forth, and shut the womb, says your Elohim. Um, the word birth. A little, little goofy interpretation in the King James, and uh, that's why we have to dig into the Hebrew. So I'm going to put this in in the chat. <clears throat> so the word birth actually means to burst or break forth. Strong 7665, shabar. The word forth is actually to beget. So really what it's saying is, will I burst? bring to a bursting point and not birth. Is Yahuwah, after he planted, he, his own son died in an earthen vessel and then was seeded into the earth. And the whole earth now is groaning, waiting for the manifestation of the sons of God. Many layers to this. It's not only all of creation that is waiting to be delivered from corruption, but also creation has absorbed the blood of the son of God and has been sprouting forth wheat. These human spirits that have come forth, it's sprouting forth wheat mixed with his blood, mixed with his water, mixed with his spirit. It's bursting. It really wants to come forth. Is is God really going to say, ah, you know what? Eh, We'll go to plan B. No, he's going to bring it all the way to the end. That's that's the description. That's the language that Isaiah is saying. I, am I really going to bring it to a bursting point and then stop? Of course not. This ties. Paul was all over this in his epistles. I'm, I'm really going into a lot of uh, Paul's epistles because he was all over this. Romans 11. <clears throat> Romans chapter eleven, you can see that Paul, being this great student of the Torah, was just having his eyes just wide open after the scales fall off him, and he's bursting forth. He doesn't know what to do. He knows he has all this revelation constantly. Romans chapter eleven, verses twenty-five and twenty-six. Oh, by the way, in the beginning of Romans eleven, Paul is backing up in verse. Romans 11, verse 2, Yahuwah has not cast away his people, which he foreknew. Would it not that the scriptures said of Elijah, he's act, he actually references Elijah, tying to the spirit of Elijah released in the last days. So now Romans eleven twenty five. with that in mind, Paul is talking about last days stuff. For I would not, brothers and sisters, that you would be ignorant of this mystery. I know this is a sowed. I know this is a mystery, but you got to get this. This is really a big, big deal. Lest you would be wise in your own conceits that blindness in part has happened to Israel unto the fullness of the nations come in. He's talking about all of the seed. He wants all of the wheat throughout the entire earth because he realizes Jerusalem is just the beginning point for Zion to be birthed. That's the first daughter of Zion, but then it gets spread immediately, instantly throughout the entire earth. See, we get this picture that, this is what Isaiah is saying. He does, this is amazing that he's, he says all of her children are gonna be birthed all at once. It's not that it gets birthed into Jerusalem and then Jerusalem is a daughter of Zion. No, all of the way cities across the earth get birthed as kids as Zion. So the daughters of Zion are all through the earth in an instant. This is part of why Zion also is really Zionism is really messed up. They're saying we all got to go back to Jerusalem. Oh, if you're part of God's plan, you need to get your ticket, get into a boat, go back to Israel, because that's the place where supposedly God's going to bring forth Zion, Zionism. No, 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 no. I see it totally different. I think Paul's seen it differently too. He's saying that all of the waste cities across the entire earth, because he planted his blood and the water into the earth to spread out in the entire earth, waste cities everywhere, they're all going to be birthing Zion instantly, in a moment. Romans 11, 25, until the fullness of the nations come in. And so all Israel, all spirit man, Jacob, Jacob, flesh man, spirit man, Israel, all of the wheat that have aligned heaven and earth, that have been sent from Zion, they will—they're planted. You and I are planted as seed into the earth, and then we are going. To, what's going to be? What's going to be birthed through us? Zion, which will be a city. We're going to birth a city. As it is written, there will come out of Zion the deliverer. He's referring back to Isaiah, what we're reading. And she'll turn away ungodliness from Jacob, meaning Jacob, all of the seed, the humanity seed in the earth will be then turned because ungodliness will be removed from her. It will then become Israel. Israel will then, which is planted throughout the earth, will birth Zion and boom, Zion's nation, Zion's kids will be birthed throughout the earth. And the earth will be redone, reshaped all in an instant. I think Paul's seeing all of that in a Romans 11. He just can't get it off in enough words. <laughs> Again, big, big, big pictures. All right, what else can we say from Isaiah 66, verse 9? Um, let's look at this. Uh, yeah, let's look at this. This is another way to look at this. First Corinthians chapter 15. More Paul. I think Paul's trying to sneak it in like in every epistle. He's so excited about this concept. First Corinthians chapter 15, starting in verse 35. Again, many interpretations. Here is the Isaiah Zion interpretation to what Paul is describing here. 1 Corinthians 15, 35. But some will say, how are the dead raised up? And with what body do they come? I think Paul's pondering, wait a minute. All of these wheat, all of these human spirits that came to earth, they're in earthen vessels. How are they going to be raised up? Are they going to be raised up just as a body of immortality? I mean, this is the mindset that we have. Hallelujah. When he comes back, the dead are going to be raised in Christ first, and those that which remain will be caught up with him in the air, and mortality will put on immortality. And guess what? I get a new body, and my knees won't hurt anymore. I mean, that's the best that we're hoping for. I think Paul's pondering something else, though, and this is what I'm hinting at here. But some will say, how are the dead raised up, and with what body do they come? You fool. What Paul? Calling us fools. That which you sow is not quickened, except it die. Ooh, this ties back to Yeshua, Leviticus 14, again, and the three in the earth and the three in the heaven. And Yeshua being birthed before Zion gives birth. And that which you sow, you sow not that body it shall be, but bear grain, it may chance of wheat and some other grain. But Yahweh gives it a body as it pleases him, and to every seed his own body. All flesh is not the same flesh, but there is one kind of flesh of men, another flesh of beasts, another flesh of fishes and of birds, There is also celestial bodies and bodies terrestrial. But the glory of the celestial is one and the glory of the terrestrial is another. There is a glory of the sun. Oh, and the moon and the stars. Revelation 12. It's all tying together. For one star differs from another star in its glory. So also is the resurrection of the dead. It is sown in corruption. Jerusalem was sown in corruption. It will be raised into incorruption, Zion. It is sown in dishonor. We just read a whole bunch of passages in Isaiah. Not just today, but our whole study in Isaiah. Jerusalem is groaning. Jerusalem is beat up. Jerusalem has been taken over. Zion is sad. Zion is saying, what about me? It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power to rule over the earth. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. Jacob, Israel, Jerusalem, Zion. There is a natural body. There is a spiritual body. So it is written, the first man, Adam, was made a living soul. The last man, Adam, a quickening spirit. Albeit, there was not a first, uh, that not first, which is spiritual, but that which is natural. So first Jerusalem, then Zion. And after that, which is spiritual, the first man is of earth, earthy. The second man is the master from heaven. As is earthy, so are the earthies. As in the heavenly, so are the heavenlies. And as we born the image of the earthies, so shall we also bear the image of the heavenly. What I My premise to you all is, is when we're sown into the earth, in the earth realm, as carnal, as natural, we are actually going to not only get an individual new body, we are also going to have the body of Zion, a city, a heavenly city onto the earth. For it is God who determines the glory of one body versus another. He sows us in corruption, but brings us into something totally glorious. For if we're Zion, he's not only going to give me a new body with good knees, he's going to give me a body that's actually a city. Didn't he say he's going to go away and where in his father's house are many mansions? And if it were not so, he would not tell us. And aren't we Zion? And aren't we to raise up the waste cities and and repair the former desolations? So what I think is actually going to happen is we will be birthed as cities. (laughs) Oh, totally different concept. We talked about last time how the city, your city ties to your spirit. And it is of your essence build up your city now in the spirit because it will be birthed onto the earth my goodness i can't wait for my city to be born onto the earth this is part of zion giving birth to her kids it is not just us in a resurrected body. It is not just Zion showing up in Jerusalem. It is us being birthed in our cities, which we are building in the spirit, get birthed onto the earth as daughters of Zion. Wow. Wow. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that. You'd continue to be faithful in encouraging us and blessing us and being patient with us and raising us up, continuing to strengthen us upon eagles' wings that we would run and that we would not be weary. We thank you for the spirit and the blood and the water of Yeshua that was sown into the earth. That the earth is being prepared for the cities that you are building with us in the heavens. That the earth will receive the birthing children of Zion. Oh. So we loose angels of victory declare victory, victory, victory into the earth. And we declare into the heavens and the earth that your time is near. Earth, rejoice. Sing, clap, roar, for the King is coming. And you will finally be in the place that you were designed to be, to be the host of the daughters of Zion of which we are. We thank you for what you are doing in the earth right now. We thank you for what you are doing in our lives right now. And we rejoice in our lack. We rejoice in our abundance. We rejoice in our cold and our hot. We rejoice when we have nothing. We rejoice when we have everything because we know that you are our great reward. You're the only thing we need. For all the heavens and all the earth and all the hosts that are in are yours. The cattle on a thousand hills, all the gold and silver are yours. And you have placed us as a city on a hill. for all the earth to witness your glory within us. We are humbled that you hear our voice every day. So Zion, we cry out to you and say, come. We receive the beauty that God has made you to be. And we declare that our home in Zion will be our home in earth, and that the heavens and the earth will be aligned. For they are witnesses against the enemy, but they are witnesses to your plan that you have written from the ages. And we were witnesses when you wrote it all down on our scrolls. We thank you for what you are doing in our lives, and we embrace it because we know that all things work to the good for those that love you and according to your purposes. We pray all this in Yeshua's name. Amen. You've just listened to Todd Talks here at Bride Ministries International. Be sure to visit our website at bridemovement.com. You can support us by leaving a donation. You can also check out our other offerings, such as our church. You can check out our institute. We offer prayer resources and, of course, so much more.